This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go! Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! Oh! Oh, baby, how's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Mike Jurecki, and three-time Pro Bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. So I think we can all agree it has been a relatively quiet offseason thus far. That, though, gentlemen, is about to change. Next week, the strength and conditioning program begins. And in two weeks, a little over two weeks, it's the draft. And that's primary where our focus is going to be today, the 2022 NFL draft. A refresher, Cardinals have eight picks, one in each of the first three rounds, two in the sixth three in the seventh. In other words, no pick in round four. That was part of the Marco Wilson acquisition. No pick in round five. That was part of the Zach Ertz acquisition. So keep those two players in mind as well. But there are certainly a lot of holes on this team right now, Kyle, especially because it has been so quiet of an offseason with respect to bringing in some outside faces to fill some particular needs. So when you look and examine what this team is still lacking and what it needs prior to week one, and not focused on free agency, but just focusing on the draft, what would you like to see this team address? Yeah, you're right. It, it has been quiet. We talked about that a bunch. Um, you know, they really need to hit um, with these early round draft picks, um, need to get some contributors. I think um, just big picture wise, um, as important as these draft pick ceiling is, I think these draft picks need to have a high floor. I don't believe um, just based on the losses that this team had uh, in free agency and, and not bringing in a lot of new faces, I don't believe they have the luxury of bringing in a project, a player you want to develop, a guy you see as a big-time contributor year two or three. Um, I, I think you need immediate contributions, whether it be on offense or defense, from your you know early draft picks this year. So I think we need to look at what is this player's floor because he needs to be a four- or five-year starter um, and hopefully a day-one starter for this team. Um, you know, obviously um, – a lot of production loss uh, has been lost via free agency. Um, so, um, you know, the obvious one would, and based upon the talent, based upon the unbelievable speed of this wide receiver class, based upon the production that a lot of these players had in college, um, I think there will be a good receiver available at 23 if that's the direction this team wants to go. Um, and I know we're going to get more in depth to it. Um, there could be a, a dominant uh, perennial Pro Bowl defensive tackle also available um, at 23. That could be a guy you plug in day one that can be a contributor um, that can shore up um, some of the deficiencies that this team had in the run game and also add production. You know, this team um, didn't, you know, we talk about the, the loss of production with Chandler Jones, but really this team didn't get a lot of um, production from their inside pass rushers last season. You lose your best edge rusher. You lose your number one wide receiver in terms of receiving yards last season, talking about Chandler Jones and Christian Kirk respectively. So for me, MJ, those are kind of the top two positions that we focus on a lot and a lot of fans have focused on because those positions haven't been filled in free agency. 
Yeah, and you know, you look at it, and I wonder what they think of. You know, when they signed Jeff uh, Gladney, is he penciled in to be a starter, or is he a guy that's going to be your third and fourth corner, former first round pick, hasn't played in a year, but he's going to be here for offseason workouts? I wonder how they value that. Obviously, they've done enough research to him signing him. You know, you look at these receivers, there's probably going to be six in the first round. Now, how many get to 23? Um, if, if a couple quarterbacks come off the board earlier, you're going to have a run on offensive tackles. You're going to have a run on, you know, defensive edge rushers, possibly maybe defensive linemen. So um, it'd be interesting, but um, they definitely need a number two receiver. And now we're getting uh, we're getting particular where we want a big receiver, not another slot guy. What I'm hearing then, gentlemen, is this team has a lot of needs and a lot of different directions that they could go depending on what player prospect is available at number 23. Daniel Jeremiah does a great job on NFL Network. Guest recently on the Dave Patch podcast, where does he see the Cardinals going with that 23rd overall pick? Well, I think there's so many different ways you can go and, and where you're picking, you're kind of at the mercy of what, what falls to you because the draft can go in so many different directions. But I still think, you know, firepower on offense. And I think on the defensive side of the ball, you know, just getting younger and, and more dynamic up front. Let's focus first, MJ, on the offensive side of the ball. And apologies to Kyle and what he did for a living. But this game has become all about the quarterback and the skilled position players, whether that's running back, wide receiver, tight end. Cardinals did address tight end. Zach Ertz is back. James Conner is back. That's great. But you have DeAndre Hopkins and what else? Sorry, Rondell Moore is still a little bit of a question mark for me. Antoine Wesley, a huge question mark. So this team needs playmakers that Kyler Murray can throw the ball to or hand the ball off to. Yeah, and, and, and I thought Kyler brought up an interesting point to start the show. I mean, you know, there's a lot of good linemen in this draft, especially interior. Uh, obviously, the Cardinals would like to retain DJ Humphreys. We'll see what happens at right tackle. But that guy could basically injuries occur you know Rodney Hudson was banged up last year so you just don't you want that first and second round pick to be active on game day whether they're a starter or a rotation player so yeah I mean it's it's going to be interesting because you look at Chris Alave from Ohio State Garrett Wilson Jameis Williams coming off an ACL Trey Lon Burks Drake London and George Pickens I would think those are the six guys that will go in the first round those are the six wide receivers that a lot of people have focused on. And, again, I say apologies to your side of the ball because defense doesn't get talked a lot about. It's not the sexy part of the game unless you're talking about an edge rusher or someone getting to the quarterback. But Kyler Murray needs weapons. He needs someone to throw the ball to. And right now I count two. And if you want to throw in James Conner, okay, I'll give you three. But it's that wide receiver other than DeAndre Hopkins that this team is in my mind, missing greatly. Yeah, and I think um, you talked about it. Um, you know, you're looking for a guy with some size, a guy with speed. Um, it, you know, to me, Kyler's biggest asset, um, you know, a lot of people would say it's his legs, but it's his down-the-field accuracy. Kyler has um, a strong arm. He's got great touch, especially on those deep routes. Um, he can put that ball anywhere on the football field. And if you have two wide receivers, you put them on opposite sides, um, that both can beat you deep, stretch the field, um, it opens up everything on offense. It opens up your run game. It open up, opens up your underneath routes. Um, it opens up your tight ends running down the seams. Um, so, um, I, you know, I think it would do so much for this offense, and, and particularly based upon who we have uh, behind center with, with Kyler and, and the way he's able to um, quickly dissect what happens after the snap and his, his ability to work the ball down the field. 
Don't forget about Zach Ertz. I would put him in the top three when it comes to targets and receptions. And listen, I mean, you can make the case the Cardinals on paper have their starting offensive line. Now you need depth. Really, they're just missing a number two receiver right now. And yes, you can get better at every position besides right now the quarterback position. So maybe you go wide receiver and then you load up on defense in, in the second and third round because right now they just need a, a number two receiver. They could play tomorrow if they had to. I'd be concerned playing tomorrow with the wide receivers they have right now. No, I said, I'm just saying, like, if they draft one and they retain A.J. Green, all of a sudden the depth chart gets True. a little, little bit different. More of a hypothetical. Exactly, yeah. They, 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 well, I have not addressed that position wide receiver in free agency as of yet. Going back to Daniel Jeremiah on the offense needing more explosive players. You know, I know the offense there with Kyler can be explosive. They need more. I just think they're going to find their – you're going to find your way into some of those shootout games. And as, as good as this group is, I think they need even more firepower than they have. And so that's a playmaker in any form. But to me, the one that makes the most sense is I think because of the quality of wide receivers in this draft, I think they've got a chance to get a real difference maker. I, I don't know that you can have enough uh, in terms of weapons right now the way the league's playing. MJ, you brought up a number of names, and we'll get into a couple of them as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat, but you're talking about upwards of maybe six get their names heard on that first day. And then, okay, what do you want? Do you want someone that's 6'2", 6'3", 6'4"? Do you want more of a slot, 5'11"? You can do a little bit more moving around. And then, you know, what fits within your particular offense? Every team is different. Jeremiah, on those top wide receivers that separate one from another i went back and looked at wideouts over the last couple years and i've tried to find you know what's that thing that they all have in common the top guys the elite guys you'll find all different play speeds you know find all different sizes but they all had play strength you know when you kind of look at those top guys over the last couple years look at what jamar chase came into the league and did um obviously you see debo you see aj brown you see dk in the in the division these guys all are strong, physical guys. Cooper Cup has incredible play strength. And people don't realize it's like 215, 216 pounds. So adding a little bit even more strength to that group uh, to kind of complement what you have there, get D-Hop back healthy. Um, you've got the speed guy with Rondale Moore. I, I think that's kind of a would be a fun ingredient for them to play with. Let's touch on play strength, Kyle, and kind of define what that means because it's not so much, you know, how much you can bench press but how quickly can you get off the line of scrimmage? How quickly can you move that defensive back out of the way? You know, sometimes it's a subtle move, but it's that being able to be just a little bit quicker, a little bit stronger than the guy that is trying to keep you from getting open. Yeah, uh, play strength isn't uh, about, you know, your bench reps that you did at the combine. It's um, it's your lower body strength. It's it's uh, what we see from Rondell Moore, how, how fast you can accelerate, how quickly you can change directions, stick your feet in the ground. And that's not just for run-after-the-catch ability. That um, is for route running, for coming in and out of your breaks. Um, for, you know, particularly in this offense, you've you got to be able to adjust when Kyler's out of the pocket. Can you stick your foot in the ground, break out of your route, and get to a place where he can find you when he's scrambling to buy time for you to get open? And, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I talked – a little bit earlier about how we need a plug-and-play guy, a guy that can step in and be a day-one, game-one type contributor. Um, you know, I think you look at recent history, particularly last year's draft, and you look at the top receivers in that draft, there is true number one receivers that stepped in day one. And, I mean, 
you got Jamar Chase setting records. You got Jalen Waddle setting records. You got Devonta Smith, who was a, a immediate number one contributor. Um, you know, I, it might be hard to find that guy at 23, but again, with such a deep wide receiver class with so much speed, um, with, with so much college production, that guy could be there at 23, and he could step in, and he could be your day one, number two wide receiver. All three of those names that you just mentioned, Kyle, had over 1,000 receiving yards. Now, they were top 15 selections. Cardinals at number 23. Do you get that top three wide receiver at 23? Probably not. And so then you debate. Can you get someone in the second or third round and then maybe go a different position with that 23rd overall pick? We'll discuss here as we have time. But coming up next, more on the number two wide receiver and what the Cardinals might target. Some names to keep an eye on in round one. It is Draft Weekend Country Concert presented by SeatGeek featuring Ryan Hurd, Lanco, and Calista Clark. Saturday, April 30th on the Great Lawn at State Farm Stadium. For tickets and information, visit sportsmansparkaz.com. That's sportsmansparkaz.com. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. They got some filthy dudes making plays. I mean, Rondale Moore, that catch. That is one of the sickest plays I have seen, and we're talking about a rookie wide receiver. He's on schedule for, for what he's going to be. I, I think he's a unique player with his kind of size, speed, you know, kind of a unique guy in that kind of compact package, but you've got to kind of create ways to get him the ball. I did not think he was, you know, a pristine route runner or anything like that. He's a he get the ball in his hands, and that's where the fun starts. 14 games played, 7 starts. Rondell Moore finished with the eighth most all-purpose yards among rookies. We're talking receiving yards, rushing yards, punt return, and kickoff return. Not a bad start for Rondell Moore as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Craig Rio, Luke Kyle Vandenbosch, and Mike Jarecki looking at Cardinals' needs heading into the 2022 NFL Draft. The voice you heard after that play call, Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network, as we discussed, believes the Cardinals Cardinals need more playmakers. I would agree. They need more playmakers. We've heard MJ, though, they have more in store for Rondell Moore as far as what to do with him, whether that's lining up consistently in the slot with Christian Kirk out or seeing what he can do as an outside wide receiver, utilize that speed to kind of just, you know, beat your defender off the line of scrimmage and go downfield and try to get open that way. Yeah, that's why I think it's important that they, they draft a receiver with some size. I mean, yeah, he's going to replace Christian Kirk. But according to Sean Jefferson on, on the Big Red Rage, he mentioned that you know they want to move him around. They want him to get a better route tree, and that means possibly when they go four wide, maybe he lines up on the outside. But normally you would think he's going to be in the slot. But they do move him around, and last year was more eye candy. And you got to you got to give Cliff credit. He admitted that they probably should have used him a little bit different last year, and I think that's the theme going into the offseason. And you can also utilize Zach Ertz as well if you split him out wide, and then depending on the health of Max Williams, we've seen him also split out wide, whether as a slot or outside wide receiver. But for me, I'm looking at not so much a number two wide receiver, because maybe that is Zach Ertz. Maybe that is Rondell Moore. It's the outside, prototypical outside wide receiver that teams Kyle have to account for or at least know that he's there because we know all the focus is going to be on the other side with DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, you know, the fact that um, 
DeAndre Hopkins is a complete receiver. He can run every route on the football field. You always have to account for him. So what you are looking for is somebody to take the safeties away from DeAndre Hopkins. Somebody um, you always every team in this league is looking for that one guy that at any given moment is that deep ball threat. So you can't load up the box. You can't, um, you know, even on uh, third and medium, it it keeps these teams guessing, and they always have to account for that guy. So, um, you know, I think a a big addition to this offense would be that number two on the opposite side of DeAndre Hopkins that can just get vertical and get vertical in a hurry. Um, You know, at 23, you're going to probably get a guy that has some question marks Um, but there is an abundance of speed at the wide receiver position in this draft and if you can find that guy that runs some of those deep routes really well that will get some of that attention away from DeAndre Hopkins that will get some of the you know linebackers get them a little bit deeper keep your safeties deep um, it will open up so much for this offense. One of those wide receivers, one of those draft prospects with a question mark, and maybe it's a large question mark based off of injury, is the Alabama wideout, Jameis Williams. Tore his ACL in the national championship game. He believes he'll be fine once week one begins, but that is something to pay attention to. We talked about earlier, you want a week one starter. Is that going to be Jameis and Williams? 6'2", 179, certainly fits the mold of an outside wide receiver. Another person who knows Jamison Williams. How about former Arizona Cardinal Rashad Johnson and also part of that Alabama broadcast. He was a guest recently on the Big Red Rage talking about Jamison Williams. It's unbelievable. I mean, he, he's blink of an eye, beep, beep, you know, running past you. And it's long strides. He's a tall guy, you know, six one, six two, or taller. And, I mean, he is, you know, literally running past guys the whole time. And the thing about it, he's one of those guys that you know he's running the deep route. You know he's going to give you a post. Nothing that you can do about it. Uh, he's, he's good in and out of his breaks. Um, and in other situations where he needs to run comebacks, third and longs, and making separations there. Um, but the biggest thing that I loved about Jamison Williams this year was how tough he was and how competitive he was. First team All-American, first team All-SEC as a receiver, co-SEC special teams player of the year. That's what you like, and maybe that certainly helps a team like the Cardinals, MJ. And Jamison Williams, I think, for a lot of people, the number one wide receiver in this draft, even before the torn ACL. Now the question is, does he fall? And if he does fall, how far does he fall? Well, I always say this. You're not drafting him for one year. You're drafting him for the next four or five years. And, you know, he is coming off an ACL injury. So I don't know what the time frame would be. He's in September, October. Everyone's kind of different. But I couldn't agree more with Rashad. 6'2", 189 pounds. And he was clocked at one point in his career at Alabama with a 4-2-5. He obviously wasn't able to run, but you, you can't teach that speed. And I like the fact that his mental makeup is, is a guy that probably is going to plug and play once he gets healthy. The other name, and this is a name that, Kyle, we've actually seen mocked to the Arizona Cardinals. Daniel Jeremiah's third mock draft. Todd McShay's third mock draft. Had Traylon Burks, a junior out of Arkansas, mocked to the Cardinals at number 23. 6'2", 225, runs a 4.55. Certainly the measurables are there and fits that mold of an outside wide receiver. 
Yeah, um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the ways he was used in college um, was similar to the way Rondell Moore was used in this offense. Now, if you do move Rondell Moore to the outside, he can take some of those reps because obviously it's a part of Cliff Kingsbury's um, offense and game plan. You get um, a dynamic weapon that can you know get vertical, catch a ball in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage, get vertical quickly, um, and he has that type of ability. And I think what you know every NFL team is looking at like who were some of the best players in the league last year. Well, um, a lot of people see him as a Debo Samuel type player. He did line up at running back at times in college, um, has that ability. He's he's thick, he's strong, um, he's got good good strength, speed, um, acceleration, vision, all of that. So um, you can do a lot of different things. And, you know, one of the things that, that Coach Kingsbury has shown is with his weapons, he, he will get creative. Um, he will come up with different packages, particularly for a rookie. Um, that you know might not be ready uh, for the entire route tree like Rondell Moore was last year. They used him in a way that they thought that um, you know he could be successful. Well, now Rondell has matured a year. Um, you know he moves to a different spot, and you know perhaps he could take that type of role for this offense. Can you imagine MJ in the image of a Debo Samuel or even Cooper Cup? In the Super Bowl, you've got Traylon Burks, 6'2", 225, coming out of the backfield on an inside linebacker or even an outside linebacker. This game is all about mismatches, and all of a sudden it's 6'2", 225. That's a huge mismatch in favor of the Cardinals. Yeah, the, the combine listed him 6'3", maybe he was on his, t- his tippy toes, 225. Um, you know, he ran a 4'5", five, five, considering he's 225 pounds. His vertical was 33, broad jump 122. Those are impressive. And then you start looking at it now – a lot of people will kind of compare him to A.J. Brown with a little, more, a little bit more wiggle. But he does catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, you know, there's times when he'll get the screen pass, and really those guys don't really tackle him because how big he is. So he, he'd be a huge target in the passing game. Daniel Jeremiah on the Dave Pash podcast, why he sees Traylon Burks as a great fit for the Arizona Cardinals. To me, the most intriguing one is Burks because – he gives them a 225-pound guy that can do a lot of the stuff that they do, you know, in terms of getting the ball in his hands, let him run after the catch. And it just gives them a little bit of a different look uh, than what they've had. You, you know, gosh, you watch Debo, you see him inside the division, the ability to put him in the backfield, do different things, get the ball out of your hand quick and let guys make plays with the football. That's what he does. Certainly would be great if he's there at pick number 23. No guarantee he's there. So that's something that you always have to consider when you're in that front office and you're having these discussions. All right, we like Traylon Burks. We think he could be in that range between 17 and 25. But if not, then all right, now you got a decision to make. But certainly what we just heard from Daniel Jeremiah, it would be fascinating to plug in a plug-and-play wide receiver, Traylon Burks. And I love the comp with Debo. I think a lot of teams are trying to find that guy. Now, Burks finished his career as a first-team All-SEC selection. I mean, he put up big numbers, 11 touchdowns over 1,000 yards. He had six 100-yard games, so he definitely put him in the conversation to be a first-round pick. And one of those 100-yard receiving games came against Alabama, 179 yards, two touchdowns. Well, on the broadcast that day, Rashad Johnson what he thinks about Traylon Burks recently on the Big Red Rage. Physical specimen. Um, and then he was physical about his play. Like, he was one of the guys, you know, in that game early on. You know, you could see him winning in his matchups, but it was like quick games. It was like toss sweeps to him. And then he was just running through tackles. He was catching slants and catching digs 
and catching quick game and then making the plays after the catch. It's one thing to separate, you know, and, and make the play, but can you make guys miss, you know, and, and then make an even bigger play? Uh, that just makes you elite. And I think, you know, Traylon Burks is elite. You love what you're hearing, you love what you see, and now all of a sudden you just don't want to fall in love with the player because if he's not there at number 23, Kyle, then all of a sudden it's that disappointment and you feel let down. Yeah, you know, what uh, front offices are doing with this, uh, you know, scouting department are doing is they are every day going through scenarios and and mock drafts themselves um, to see who might be available at that point so you can pull the trigger and you can feel confident. You don't ever want to be caught by a surprise um, when you're drafting and be scrambling to try to figure out what to do. So they're going through every scenario. Um, but yeah, I like what he said. You know, when I, when I say he could step into a Rondell Moore type role, um, you know, I can see people getting a little discouraged because you expected and you wanted more from Rondell. But um, you know, Traylon Burks, uh, he led the SEC with 22 plays of 20 plus yards. So the fact that he is catching the ball close to the line of scrimmage, he is. Um, you know, with his physical style, he is getting big plays from some of the and converting some of those short plays into big gains and explosive type plays for that offense. Cardinals tried to utilize that with Rondell Moore, but it just wasn't as successful. He had a lot of throws near the line of scrimmage and just wasn't able to break any of those off. And that's part of the reason why they want to see if they can move him around a little bit. But if you have a bigger target, a bigger weapon, bigger playmaker, maybe you can throw that screen pass and all of a sudden you get that 20 plus play downfield from your wide receiver so Traylon Brooks certainly a name that a lot of Cardinal fans would love to see in a Cardinals uniform we'll see if that happens episode 28 of the Dave Patch podcast you want more hear the entire interview with NFL Network draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah that is available to catch up on past episodes follow the Dave Patch podcast via your preferred podcast provider Get the latest updates via Twitter at HashPod. We've hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seat in a seat. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Give to Henry. Hit in the backfield by J.J. Watt who got off a block and drags him down. Knocked down, incomplete. It's J.J. Watt got his hands up. He fumbles the ball. It's loose on the far side. Another takeaway. J.J. Watt forced the fumble. Leveled in the backfield by J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt gets the penetration right at the point of attack. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed him at the 18-yard line. Mitchell running straight ahead gets dropped for a loss. J.J. Watt in the backfield with the takedown. Penetration on the backside. That is J.J. Watt, baby. Tip incomplete. It was Tip, and it was J.J. Watt who got it, and the Cardinals stop him on fourth down again. Great to hear Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley talk about J.J. Watt. It was great to see J.J. Watt in a Cardinals uniform. Just did not see enough of J.J. Watt. Started the games, sorry, started the season's first seven games, then got hurt in week seven. Made an appearance in the playoffs, but he just was not the quite the same player. If you get a healthy J.J. Watt, I like where this defense stands in 2022. Welcome back. The Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Craig Rio, Luke Kyle Vandenbosch, and Mike Jarecki focusing on the defensive line here 
with the Cardinals and the 2022 NFL Draft. And I'll give you credit, Kyle, because you were one of the first, at least that I can remember, as far as bringing up the defensive line, even at pick number 23. It was always edge rusher, wide receiver, cornerback, but all of a sudden defensive line and the interior of the defensive line because of the inability and the inconsistency of the Cardinals last season to stop the run. 20th overall, 26th as far as yards per carry, almost five yards, or I should say 4.6 yards a carry this team allowed last season. And we always heard Vance Joseph say, got to stop the run, got to stop the run. Well, this team sometimes stopped the run last year. Yeah, it was, you know, when this team was rolling uh, and this team looked like the best team in football, there was still that one weakness. It was stopping the run. It was, and, um, you know, I think we have good players inside, um, but they just didn't have the numbers. They weren't productive. They weren't, um, it, you know, we get a front row seat a couple times a year to what a disruptive defensive tackle can do to an offense in Aaron Donald. I mean, and I'm not saying there's an Aaron Donald in this draft, but it, you can, it, it, there is nothing quarterbacks hate more than quick inside pressure. So on top of, you know, getting a big physical guy that can hold up against the run, um, that can free up these young, talented inside linebackers that we have. Um, you know, there just wasn't that consistent pressure from the inside either. I mean, Zach Allen, you know, led some of the inside rushers with four sacks last year. J.J. Watt, because of circumstances, only had one sack. Um, Lawrence and Fotu didn't have any. So you you didn't get, you know, if you're looking to make up for Chandler Jones' production, you're going to have a hard time drafting it this year. A guy might develop, it might take time, and he might turn into a Chandler Jones-type player. Um, but you can get a big, massive, strong, explosive human, line him up on a guard, and he can make an immediate impact to your defense. And you will see it both in the run game and in the passing game. And I, I think, to me, that's the area that this team can probably – improve the most with an immediate impact player that produces on the inside and the impacts mj might not be so much on the stats but the fact that offenses offensive lines are accounting for that player to allow a marcus golden or someone on the edge to get into the backfield then of course there's the rare exception where aaron donald just does it himself but that that i think is a pipe dream for a lot of teams yeah, you start looking at the defensive linemen. Um, Travis Jones, to me, is the number one D tackle. Jordan Davis, number two. Perion Winfrey, number three. And then Devontae Wyatt. And then DeMarvin Leal. I would say those are the top defensive tackles in this draft defensive line. And depending on who's on the board, it wouldn't surprise me. And, and again, I want to I ask you this, Kyle. I mean, we know that they obviously need to replace Chandler Jones, and that's easier said than done. They don't grow on trees. But can you see this team playing more of a five-man front? Now, I talked to a coach the other day. He said, we already do that. But I'm, I'm talking about maybe adding an extra lineman because they do shoot two outside linebackers with three in the dirt. So do you think they can stack the line a little bit more to cover and make sure that you got a good secondary? Yeah. You know, I think uh, one thing Vance Joseph has – done a really good job of and what you see from him um, he adapts to the personnel both um, that are you know on the team for opening day but that last year with COVID and with injuries um, each week he would come up with creative schemes to take advantage of the personnel he had available that week um, so I think you know you want on defense particularly you want your best 11 players on the field to make an impact um, now 
you know, my experience and in, in teams that I was on, um, you know, you can have holes on the back end and you can make up for that with a dominant front, both um, eating up the run game, putting the team in second and third and long, um, but also getting quick pressure on a quarterback. I mean, you might not have the best corners that can cover forever. You might not even have impact safeties, which we do. Um, but if you have a dominant front um, that has their way with an offensive line, um, it, it makes the whole defense look better. And, and you know, to Craig's point, um, not just a dominant inside rusher is going to free up the edge rushers. It's going to free up our first-round investment the last two drafts. I mean, those two players are long, rangy athletes that need to just be able to go and follow the ball and, and decipher defenses. But when you have guards and, and offensive tackles in your lap, it becomes a lot more difficult for those guys to be the type of players that they can be. All right, let's talk about a couple of those defensive linemen, two in particular, both from Georgia, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis. Wyatt, 6'3", 304. Davis, 6'6", 341. Daniel Jeremiah, again, Dave Hash podcast on where he thinks Steve Kahn might have an interest at defensive line. I look at a guy, just kind of knowing Steve over the years, there are certain players you could see kind of tickling his fancy. And for some reason, I think of a guy like Devontae Wyatt, who's just ultra, ultra explosive, a defensive tackle from Georgia. Um, if somehow he were to be in that mix there, I could see that that being somebody he'd really like. Ran a four seven seven forty and a twenty nine inch vertical jump as far as athleticism. That's what Devontae Wyatt was able to do at the combine. You look at Jordan Davis, four seven eight forty and a thirty two inch vertical jump. So despite in excess of three hundred pounds and better than six three, six six, you're talking about some elite athleticism there. Rashad Johnson saw both Wyatt and Davis on the sidelines working for the Alabama broadcast. What he thinks, Wyatt or Davis, in his opinion? I, I, I like Wyatt. Um, in the two games, you know, watching at Bama, it just seems like he has a little bit more range to him. Um, he, but in terms of just sideline to sideline and the games that we're playing, um, he was able to sustain a little bit better than Jordan Davis was. If you go back to the SEC championship, it seems as though he got tired, um, a little bit fatigued. So that may be something that you may worry about, you know, uh, in a season, you know, not playing 12 games now. We're playing, you know, 17 games. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to – I had to place my bet. I'm going to place it on Wyatt. You know, the comp on Jordan Davis is Haloti Nada, Don Terry Poe. I uh, listened to uh, the former general manager of the uh, Chiefs, and he said they, they, they think, you know, the, the comp is either Haloti Nada or Don Terry Poe. Yeah, that's the concern. Is it, Does this guy motor, does it run the entire game now? Are you going to ask him to play 60 snaps? Is it going to be 35 to 40? I think what it really sticks out is a guy 340 pounds ran a 4.78. And there's not a lot of defensive linemen, Kyle, that are on the field for every single snap or three-snap defensive linemen. It's, there's a healthy rotation, and it's just a matter of, well, if it's third and long, you're pulling all your big bodies out and you want to rush the quarterback. Yeah, um, the, it, that's true, especially um, at that size. I mean, like you said, um, it, when you're 341 pounds, very rarely are you a three technique. You're typically a nose tackle that's playing over the center. Um, but, it, you know, to me, that was the most amazing thing that happened at the combine to see a man that size run at that speed. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's you know, I, to me, I would look for – I would look at Wyatt as, as my choice if – either one of these two or if you have a choice at 23 um, he's a bit more explosive um, I'm looking for you know you don't want comps but I'm looking for 
in this defense a Darnell Dockett type of player, mm. a Calais Campbell type of player um, that is not only good against the run, but is that impact player that's explosive, that can make plays in both the run and pass game, not just a big body that's going to eat up blocks, um, but somebody that um, you know offenses need to account for. And I, and I think Wyatt can be that type of player. Yeah, he he bet he definitely helped himself. I read a scouting report earlier. Just uh, his tape was much better in 2021 against the run, and again and pass uh, rush. They say his lateral quickness, beating zone blocks. I mean, he's they, they say he's more of a gap seeking three technique with he can disrupt the line of scrimmage. I like that comparison, the Cardinals comparison of Darnell Dockett. It's people always look for comps, and it's you know the big names out there, but as far as localizing it for fans that are familiar, a defensive lineman, Darnell Dockett, I mean Calais Campbell, you could move him around and his big frame, he was dominant wherever you lined him up, but Dockett was just a little bit different and a good different mm-hmm. because he would never take plays off. It was 100% every single play. Never liked to be off the field and was a little nasty out there as well. That's And then you have to be that in order to survive at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and we talk about how one of these players, it, it protects – you know, the investment of our last two first-round picks. When you have a dominant inside player, it's going to help the edge rushers. Um, I would think J.J. Watt would be thrilled to get another guy opposite of him. Um, he's not going to get the double teams as much. He, You know, he's not going to get the center sliding to him every time. Um, it, it would free him up to do the things that makes J.J. Watt J.J. Watt. Um, you don't want to single block J.J. Watt ever. And if you do have a rookie that is physical, explosive, has the ability to make plays, they're going to have to give him some attention too. So um, it, it, it helps you know, at every single level of the defense when you have somebody on the interior. Um, I remember you know, I played for Coach Swartz in Detroit, and I think it was called the Big Earth Theory, but there's only, God only makes so many huge human beings, and you need to try to assemble them because they become the core, and everything was inside out, right? We had a really good defensive line. We tried to um, upgrade our offensive line, and then we would fill in around it, and obviously it's, it's not a sound theory because it is playmakers and athletes that make this league work, um, but you know, there's only so many guys, so many human beings that big that can move like that, and, and there's a couple of them that may be sitting there at 23. Yeah, the comp is Malik Collins. We got a chance to see him, how how effective he was against the Cardinals in that early first quarter. Um, they say he, his lateral quickness beats move a uh, blocker to the spot, uh, locates ball carriers uh, with two gapping. So nothing against Burks, but I'm, I'm starting to get intrigued with another D lineman here. <laughs> See, Kyle Vandenbosch <laughs> has a way with his words and his opinions. To He's influence right. I mean, everyone. Listen, yes. at the end of the day, Darnell Daka was a dog. Yes. And, and that's not a bad term. It's a good term. I mean, you knew he was going to show up every day. Um, he was going to play to the echo of the whistle, and he brought physicality to that position, and they need someone like that. Check out Season 1 of Cardinals Folktales on our official YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash azcardinals. Get the story behind the stories from several remarkable moments in Cardinals history. Again, that's youtube.com slash azcardinals. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Two receivers left, Mills straight drop back. Gets hit by Marcus Golden and sacked at the 21. What a year Marcus Golden is having. And the Cardinals force a punt. There it is, the junkyard dog. Back to throw goes Mills, steps up, gets hit, and he fumbles the ball as he gets sacked at midfield. Marcus Golden chopped it out. 
It is Cardinal ball. Marcus Golden comes out of there with it, and he was the guy that forced the fumble as well. Wow, that is a beautiful play right there. Marcus Golden once again with another sack. Not a bad effort against the Houston Texans. A couple of sacks, forced fumble, fumble recovery. Marcus Golden finished with 11 sacks, leading the team. Is there another Marcus Golden in this 2022 NFL draft? Is there someone the Cardinals can find to pair with Marcus Golden as far as an outside edge rusher is concerned? The number one name on the list, according to many, MJ, is Aiden Hutchinson. That is not going to be an option for the Arizona Cardinals, although I did find this interesting. Share uh, share with Kyle Vandenbosch what you found out about uh, Aiden Hutchinson. All right, first of all, this is overview, and I'll just be quick. Defensive end prospect can't miss uh, combination of football character skill physical traits who is more likely to contend for an occasional pro bowls and become an all pro player the nfl comp kyle vandenbosch yeah i I saw he was a finalist (laughs) for the uh campbell award which i actually won um it's the uh football version of the academic heisman for college football so yeah he's I mean, I like the kid. I love to watch him play. Uh, plays like his hair's on fire. So, he, uh, yeah, but he'll be long gone before the Cardinals have a shot at him. So you're saying you were not the first overall pick when no, you came out? No, no. Okay. Right. No, I wasn't near ready. It took me time to develop, man. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't a day one impact player when I, when I got to the league. All right, let's talk about someone that perhaps could be in the mix for the Cardinals. Maybe not so much at 23, but we've heard that this draft is deep at edge rush so maybe someone in round two let's go back to the day patch podcast daniel jeremiah talking about penn state outside linebacker arnold ebikati who he believes could be somewhat similar to marcus golden you know i look at a guy like arnold ebikati from from penn state who's who's really really explosive off the edge he's kind of that compact build to me he's like a you know from from having watched Marcus Golden to me he's like a little more souped up version of that but just has a lot of snap and a lot of pop in his hands just a, he's a really really good player i think that's probably he's probably going to go you know mid 20s to to mid 30s like in that range certainly productive 18 tackles for loss nine and a half sacks and that's someone to your point Kyle could come in and be that week one impact player especially if you've got a Marcus Golden on the other side that also occupies the offense's attention yeah and he's the kind of guy that I was talking about I I think he has a really high floor um you know I don't think he's a risky player that's um you know hit or miss um, you know, he, he's got a motor, he plays hard. Um, he's got really good get off acceleration. Um, it, you know, I played, uh, for Gunther Cunningham in Detroit and he, he swears he had a different way of looking at everything. He was an interesting man, but he swears that the, the number one thing that you need to look at for a, an edge rusher, defense alignment coming out is a short shuttle. And he had a four, two, four short shuttle, which is the second best, um, for an edge rusher in the combine. Um, you know, it shows your ability to bend, to get low, to turn and to accelerate out of your breaks. Um, so, um, y- you know, he's, he's not huge, but he would fit perfectly as an edge rusher in this type of system. He's a guy that, um, you know, doesn't take plays off. You see him making plays 20 yards downfield. Um, so I, you know, I think he would be a great contributor to this defense yeah he's got great size i mean his his arms are 34 and an eighth wingspan 83 inches he was a 2021 first team all big 10 10 conference he didn't start playing football until 10th grade so he's still learning he's still trying to figure out this game cardinals also trying to figure out cornerback that might be another position of need maybe 
Maybe not so much at number 23. Who knows? It depends on who might fall. Obviously, the top candidates will be long gone. Daniel Jeremiah and who he sees potential cornerbacks with the Cardinals either in the first or second round. I mean, Andrew Booth, you know, hasn't been, you know, fully healthy to be able to participate in everything in the spring out of Clemson. So I think there's a chance he'll be there uh, when they pick. I mean, I, look, Stingley's going to be gone. Uh, Sauce Gardner's going to be gone. Trent McDuffie's going to be gone. But there'll still be some other intriguing names that, that you could look at. Um, Booth would probably be the one, if I'm kind of looking at my list, who would probably be right in that range. Uh, Kyrie Elam, another one out of Florida, is somebody that's, you know, folks around the league are a little bit higher on him than I am. He's big, long, and fast. Was a little bit inconsistent for me, but I know some teams have him in that late one range, so that's another one. Elam, a better sophomore season than junior season, but the one thing that he does have is former teammates with Marco Wilson. So you're always looking for information, Kyle. It would not surprise me if the Cardinals coaching staff picks up the phones, hey, Marco, what do you know about Kyrie Elam? Just to get a different perspective that maybe they don't get from tape or talking to coaches. Yeah, and I think, you know, the big thing with, with both of those corners he was talking about, um, you know, they both play man coverage really well, which if, if you have a rookie and you need him to contribute, um, he needs to be able to play man because that's easy. You just say you got that guy and then we'll fix everything else on the other side. And they're both really aggressive um, physical tacklers, which is what one of the things we talked about on this team was how well we tackled on the back end, whether it be corner or safety, so they would fit right into this system. You know, I always like the Washington corners, so that's Trent McDuffie, and then you throw in Kyle Gordon. Um, McDuffie's probably the fifth corner, and maybe you look at Gordon as probably the seventh, and we know that the Cardinals obviously drafted Buda Baker from Washington, obviously Byron Murphy. Uh, the former head coach, Jimmy Lake, you know, his philosophy was, if I don't think you can play at the next level, I'm not recruiting you. He's no longer there. So I'm always intrigued with the Washington uh, secondary. Two weeks till draft day, still time to discuss what the Cardinals may do in the 2022 NFL draft. We'll talk to you in one week's time here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.